This club is not used to be in this position, and the only way to get out of that that stretch is working more, be together, be like a team. Because when you win and you score goals and you play good, everybody's happy, everybody's together. But in this moment is when you see the good team, the good players, and have to be ready for for the next game and fight for playoffs to be in the place this club have to be. The next stop is Expo Park, USC Station. Exit here for the California Science Center, the Natural History Museum, the California African American Museum, the Coliseum, and USC. Good people of Los Angeles. My name is Alex Dweez and I am coming to you live from Los Angeles, back on the block, back at the crib, back halfway across the world. But to my right is someone who's still halfway across the world, Dr. Midnight himself, Ryan Wally Wallerson in the building. Between us, we also have Pierce, Coach Pierce, Coach Pio, fresh off his trip to Atlanta. I was also in Atlanta. Pierce, how you feeling? What up, y'all? I'm here. Pio the pod. That's right. Uh, today's episode, we will take a look at that Atlanta trip. We will talk about the San Jose uh, experience as well. I know there's a decent amount of traveling support, as there always is for our Northern California rivals. And we will preview the Galaxy as well as the upcoming match against Vancouver, which is this weekend. Talk a little about MLS All-Star. Before we get to all that, I do want to have a moment, a quick little moment of silence on the pod. We lost a real one in the black and gold community, a real one in the North End, a real one in the 3252. We talk a little bit about it on the FCFC pod. We're obviously going to get into it more in the coming week as we all collectively grieve and more in the loss of our friend Julio Soriano, Julio of Outside Hooligans. Shout out to all my Outside Hooligans people. Shout out to his family. Uh, and anyone who ever had a conversation with the guy just knows he was, it, it was a presence in that, that part of our lives, really. And as Pierce told me in Atlanta when we were kind of grieving and going through it, he's like, I felt like I was just starting to get to know him. Like just starting to get to know a guy who's going to be in our lives for a long time, and he's gone too soon. But a quick moment on silence on the pod for him. R.I.P. Julio. And as he would want, let's get back to the football, boys. This team, six straight, six straight games without a victory, three straight losses. It's looking as bleak as it's ever looked for the black and gold right now. They've been knocked out of the playoff positions. The alarm bells have been rung and rung again. Bob Bradley has come out uh, after the Atlanta game and even did something I never thought I'd hear him do, which was say, that's on me, in terms of getting the players motivated, getting the players uh, mentally back invested in the project. 
And Carlos Vela in the post game was looking as, uh, I don't know, you could say crestfallen as, as any, uh, anyone I've ever seen in a black and gold uniform after any sort of game. Guys, this is, uh, this is a situation we got here. Uh, why don't we talk about the overall picture? And maybe you guys can give your thoughts about the individual games if you feel like it. But P.O., we are both in Atlanta. Like, you know, what what's going on? Like, how do you feel? How do you think are things unfolding in your personal mind about this team right now? Well, at the current juncture, you can see there's a lack of uh, there's a lack of confidence. There's a lack of belief. Just as simple as, you know, when opportunities come, hitting it on the first touch, maybe taking an extra touch because of a lack of confidence. Um, You can also see the tension rising with players when opponents score, hands get thrown up in the air, heads go down, uh, teammates start yelling at each other. Uh, Whereas in seasons past, you know, there'd be someone maybe like Mark Anthony Kay or Edward Otuesta you know, giving positive words of encouragement and trying to lift everyone up to to rise to the occasion and rise to the challenge. And, uh, it's kind of been the opposite effect in these last couple of games, um, which has been disappointing, but um, can be turned around. Uh, I do, you know, there is a sense of panic. There is a sense of, um, you know, something needs to change, change drastically. And, you know, I don't know if that's the answer uh, for me, but there needs to be a coming together and a unification of the team because they don't look together. Uh, whether it's the way they play, the way they they respond in, in moments in adversity in these matches. But that's, uh, that's got to happen within the locker room. And, and if the locker room isn't together, you can X and O and formation all you want. It doesn't matter. So... I thought it was really interesting after the game and the post game. Um, there were two things that really at post game for Atlanta. There were two things that really stuck out to me that I underlined, and you know maybe I'm just mincing words here. Uh, but Bob said we've got to get through it, which can be interpreted a bunch of different ways, and I'm not here to to tear that up. But I thought that was very interesting word choice of where he was at mentally. And um, obviously, when you get through it, you're coming out the other side and, and moving on. But um, there's other ways to, to chop and screw it. And, and there's other ways to interpret that. But that, that was the way I interpreted it. But I also would have chose probably way different words if, if that was the message I was trying to get across. And I think that also reflects a little bit about how Bob's feeling. You know, Bob's taking a beating. People want him out. Um, you know, I, I think that's a, a little little form of maybe humility, maybe, you know, just just struggling with the challenge. And, and you know, that's that's the first time I've seen that or something like that or those words being chosen um, from Bob, who's, who's very particular with the way he communicates. And then the other, uh, you know, that, that is obvious and we've already harped on, or I've already harped on it, was from Carlos Vela. And he said, we need to, and it was very much in Bob's vein, we need to work more, we need to be together, we need to be like a team. 
which just even more hits on the fact that there is disconnection within the team, whether that's in the locker room or on the field. Uh, especially in the first half in Atlanta, you saw lots of lots of passes being lost, you know, forcing the issue, not being patient, not playing the LAFC way, and really just kind of. I mean, it looked like a bit of a panic. The, the first couple of minutes, the first 15, 20 minutes of the Atlanta game looked looked like panic. You know, they're forcing forcing the ball where there's where there's no openings and you know, not playing the characteristic patient uh, possession style breaking lines passes. So that's how I feel. I mean, well, Alex, how are or Ryan and Alex? What do you what do you guys feel right now? Your read on all of this. So I think my FaceTime was just ringing. <laughs> Let me clap it in. Did you guys hear that on your earphones? I don't, I don't know. know mine, yeah. I don't know how that happened for them. Here, let me just clap it back in. That was actually a great stopping point, though. One, two, three. Well, well, I'm going to kick it over to Wally, Dr. Midnight over here. Um, just I'll add that, you know, in, in a non-cohesive locker room is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So in other words, because they're not seeing eye to eye, they continue to not see eye to eye on the field, which only spreads them out more. And the opposite is also true when a team like seems to like get along with each other and they're buddy, buddy friendly. It's almost as if like that can like make magic happen on the field, which will only make them, you know, closer together. And it seems like this team is really fractured right now. You know, no one probably wants to hang out with each other. I don't know. You just don't get the sense that there was some of that camaraderie that Ryan and I were able to see so often in LAFC teams past. Uh, Ryan, we know you're on the other side of the world, but like what is, what is kind of some of the big key issues you're seeing now that we're a full six game into this winless streak and three straight defeats? Yeah, you know, I think Pierce hit it on the head on a lot of different notions. I think it's just, it's the fight. It's the collective chemistry. It's the, it's the amount of buy-in among the players. Uh, to what, you know, the, the team and the organization is trying to do the style of football. They're trying to play the, the aspirations they have when it comes to, you know, the playoff table and, and this season. And it's definitely a far cry from say the days of 2019, where if they went I and mean, they didn't go through a streak like this, but if they did have a moment of adversity, you know, Bob's words or, you know, Carlos's leadership, Mark's leadership, uh, Beta Shore's leadership, Harvey's leadership, it, it, the ship was righted quickly and they would move forward and that doesn't necessarily mean that they would go on long win streaks, but it does mean that, you know, they would be a tough out. They wouldn't be an easy three points. You know, I dare say that the last couple of weeks, LAFC has been an easy three points. I mean, they came out really flat and listless against San Jose. They almost gave up a couple of goals before the early goal that they did give up. Then they, you know, doubled their money and gave up the second goal around the 30th minute. It was 2 nothing. I think the goal that they scored in that game was actually a San Jose own goal. I know that it's forced pressure, and you're, you're in the right part of the pitch. But in terms of creation and execution, I mean, own goals are not the way that you want your offense to be working with. That's the only LAFC goal we've seen in the last 180 minutes of play. That's really concerning, and it's extremely unlike this team. Outside of the Sporting Kansas City game where they gave up those four goals at home and just got lambasted, uh, the other three games, 
no, I'm sorry, the other five games, they haven't given up more than two goals in any one of the games on this winless streak. They just they their their ideas are flat and they don't they don't seem to have us uh, another gear to go to. The leadership, you know, as as Pierce, you mentioned quickly, the Mark Anthony K was a big source of leadership for this team. Uh, you know, that's not there anymore. Uh, that's not the first time we're talking about the team getting rid of a, uh, a big leadership guy. So now where do you go to write this shit? Because the body language from the guys that you would like to see that leadership come from looks very negative right now in terms of like Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, their on-field demeanor and attitude. And then also, you know, Carlos's words in the post game. Like when you hear him say that he aspires to act like a team, it just, it sounds like they're even going through the motions and looking the part is, is a big ask for LAFC right now. And individual talent on a roster doesn't matter if that roster can't come together. Um, it's really disheartening because the, the thing about this winless streak is that it's not just about X's and O's and getting outperformed on the field. You know, I, I challenge the fight in these guys. Truly, I do. And I hope they hear this and I hope they're offended by it. And I hope that they get a chip on their shoulder the size of Bank of California because they need it and they need to play like it. They haven't the last few games. A chip on the shoulder the size of Bank of California. What the the scurriest thing to me is about this now that I'm sort of looking at it big picture, you know, LAFC, in terms of expected goals, according to MLSsoccer.com, they're fourth in the league. Like, the only teams above them are New England, New York City, and Kansas City. This is a team who's still somehow, despite how horrible they've the results seem, this team is still somehow a team that like is excellent and isn't playing excellently. And I'm so at a loss, even as an Arsenal fan who's who who has enjoyed a, a dismal run of form lately. Like you know, the thing with them was like their player, the the quality of their players significantly dipped, right? And I was like, oh, okay, so Arsenal makes sense that their team won't be what it was. With LAFC, it's you could even make the case that their their roster has improved, and yet they're unable to put the ball in the back of the net most of all. But they're unable to like have a cohesive unit, and maybe um, the intangibles, the unspeakables, the conversations that Bob alludes to that he's having with players like Diego Rossi in private. Uh, whatever is happening, I mean, I know just from personal experience playing, like when you play with your friends, when you play with people you get along with, you can do so much better than you can with, you know, even guys that are better than, you know, your friends might be, uh, you know, La Masia always comes to mind in terms of that in the golden era of Barcelona and Spain, where they had so many players who had played together for so long. And they knew each other and they knew how, you know, they, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, the players not being familiar enough with each other. Um, some of the the fact that there's so much turnover at this team, we all know that's a symptom of MLS. And yet here we are with this team that's stacked talent wise and totally just underperforming and looks in all likelihood to, to be getting worse. Like, I don't know, do, do you, do either of you see, I guess, to, to make this less dismal, do, what is this? What is the sign of hope, if there is one, and um, how might a good stretch begin if one is to begin? Ryan, I think I'll just kick it to you first. 
I think they just need to dump a boatload of goals down on somebody that just gets caught in at the wrong place at the wrong time and the team just be able to exercise some demons, get out some frustrations, like a, a big goal tally of five nothing, a six one. Hell, maybe even a maybe even a seven goal number. I think that they need like a serious, almost like the clear type of game to like jumpstart this heart that's gone pretty cold. Uh, I think that if they if they did that, and then they could look back on you know ninety minutes of high level execution, kind of a See, guys, this is what we can do. Give Bob something to work with, some recent tape that shows that there's some life in this team because, yeah, you know, it, it's been it's been uninspired football for the last few matches. So I think that something like that could get the blood pumping and, you know, maybe get them back on a streak, maybe ignite the confidences of a couple of key offensive players. Uh, the defense hasn't been the issue. Even, even in this streak, again, uh, it's, it's a lack of offense. It's a lack of creation. It's a lack of execution. It's a lack of cohesion. So if they could just, you know, Germany, Brazil, somebody, I think that they could use that to springboard into something. But how realistic is that? I mean. So what we're, what we're talking is a defibrillator. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what it was called, but everyone who who's listening to this uh, and wasn't able to see Ryan on video like I am, he made the motions like, you know, the nurse does after a heart attack clear. And then like, I found out with a quick Google search, that's called a defibrillator. Yes, which, it is. Which I had never known. And we're talking about this becoming the defibrillator pod. What would the defibrillator be? I, I agree. I mean, I, actually, I think Ryan's uh, breakdown of how it could happen, like a five, a six, just up so many goals. I mean, I feel like what they need is a break, right? Like a, a like you know, say in the Vancouver game, someone gets a red card, uh, you know, and they're up a man, and you know, maybe you want one of their first chances for once they score, and then guess what? They put in a second one before halftime, and in the second half things get you know exactly. They just need a game where like things more or less more go their way than not. Because it does almost seem like there's just a hex over them, uh, given how many chances they're still creating. And yes, the conviction of finishing those has decreased um, the longer this has gone on. But like they're still creating quite a bit, and they're still as talented as they are. Uh, and even though they're very uninspired, I guess that's that's where the longer this goes on, the less likely that that six or seven goal uh, defibrillator seems to be coming. Pierce, what is your uh, your your teeth chomping uh, response to all of this. Well, I think <clears throat> the biggest thing is just they've got to they've got to get their confidence back, and that comes from a thumping, just as Ryan mentioned. Um, but really, I mean, I hate to say this, but I feel like these guys need a retreat, like forget this football for a second. If there's issues in the locker room and they got it, they need to lay it all out on the table because they cannot wait much longer. I feel like they need a trip to Joshua Tree with a bunch of magic mushrooms at this point. But, <laughs> like, and just to rethink, you know, their standing in all things. Uh, things like that, just something like outside of the I hear you, Pierce. Like yeah. if, they're not, if they're not if they're not able to if they're not able to like adjust things on the field and get that breakthrough, then something's gotta happen off the field where it's like something totally different than what they would normally do. 
and, and uh, I agree, it does feel like there's a hex, but it's it's not a physical hex. It's a mental or emotional uh, block or challenge that they've got to overcome here. And and you know, I don't know what the answer is, but th- they definitely need to kind of like get away from the X's and O's, get away from the football ideas and just kind of talk it out and, and get through it. I know that we've been kind of really hitting the injury bug at the moment, which is not made anything any easier, but just like you said, with uh, the expected goals and chances created, the opportunities that are there, the conversion, you know, we're not, we're not getting, we're getting a, a couple of unlucky calls with officials, uh, you know, fouls aren't being called or yellow cards aren't being given whatever but those that those are all excuses at the end of the day um and for me it's got nothing to do with football at this point it's got to do with heart love passion and and togetherness which is clearly absent at this time if you've been a long time season past listener like i hope you have been you would know that usually on this pod we try to stay away from speculation and Uh, thinking about trips to the desert with psychedelics, but the situation has been so dire and there's been so little to really recap in these, these last two games in particular. uh, That's much different than the other things that have been happening. I did want to give out to shout out to, uh, to fall uh, who started his first ever MLS game. Mamadou fall are sort of the right, the right back position. He had a goal, a goal called back that, you know, the forces that be have dictated that, uh, you know, was, was probably one that should have, should have stayed. And, um, you know, they ended up falling one nil to Atlanta and then two one, uh, up in San Jose with a, with a own goal being the only goal there. So it's all the way back when Danny Mosofsky scored to save some face, uh, against sporting Kansas city was last time LAFC have actually scored a goal and a team like this with the players that they have and the history that they've had, it just seems strange and, bizarre so if this episode seems a little bit strange and bizarre it's because i think we're all caught in the vortex of uh just trying to figure out what's going on and sort of collectively coming to the table having our little uh verbal freakouts and and analysis outside the box ideas because if there was ever a time to have them now would be that time um that being all said there's sort of a strange little couple games here for lafc you've got vancouver away and Vancouver is now going to be playing in their real stadium. Uh, the COVID restrictions haven't allowed them to play in Canada for a long time, but they're actually going to be playing in Canada. And then, of course, they host the Galaxy uh, at Bank of California Stadium for the second LA Derby of the year. And in between there, there's going to be this strange event called the All-Star Game happening at the bank. There's going to be a skills challenge. Carlos Vela is involved. Bob Bradley's the coach. I mean, it's a little bit strange. You know, I mean, the timing couldn't be worse for LAFC, but if you were ever to, like, have Bob Bradley be the coach of the All-Star team in the last four years, it does seem like this is the absolute worst time for him to be the coach. And you wonder if they get if they get beat in Vancouver and it's, it, it's ugly the way it's been recently, just the mood at the All-Star game in, in LAFC's own stadium when their team is just really struggling is going to be poor. So you almost want to think that these players are just going to come out and try to play just so that there's, like, at least half decent of a mood going to the all-star game. But um, Ryan and Pierce, you guys watch a lot of other sports and like the way that the all-star game integrates with those sports is obviously different. Football's like a little bit, you know, this whole concept of all-star game is quite strange. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm over here holding a ticket to the all-star game and I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know if people are going to be cheering. I don't really know what to expect. 
But uh, I, I, just sort of as the team news portion of the pod, I wanted to hear what um, what you guys sort of see out of that uh, and whether or not it could help or hurt LAFC's season at all. Well, um, I think a lot of it will come down to what happens in Vancouver. Um, it might be a good opportunity for the team to get a little break from each other. But uh, as far as the All-Star game goes... I mean, being in L.A., I'm sure there's going to be just as many, if not more, fans rooting for the uh, All-Stars from the South uh, versus, versus our MLS All-Stars. So it, uh, what's going to come of it? or what's? I think if, if LFEZ had been in a, a better place in the table, I think the environment and the atmosphere would maybe be a lot better. But... Um, I really don't know what to make of the All-Star game. I always thought it was weird, especially when they play it on, on like, weekdays, uh, in the middle of the week, uh, and then still try to play games this, the weekend before and the weekend after. Um, to me, it just, you know, it, it's, it's a marketing thing. I understand it's to help build the game in the country and, and put on a show, and, and that's what it is. It's supposed to be entertainment, so... Hopefully, with the skills challenge coming the night before, and and all the big names, they brought in a bunch of a bunch of big names, so that you know it should be entertaining. But uh, to be honest, I'm kind of even though this has been done before, I'm kind of at a loss of of what it all means and what it's even going to look like or what it's going to mean for anyone. This is the last thing that LAFC needs right now, based on where they are. Like you wish that they could. And by they, I mean Vela and the boys and Bob and the coaching staff. You wish they could just like, whether it's Joshua Tree with a bunch of mushrooms or it's the lab with a brand new chalkboard. Like, you just wish that they could focus on the task at hand and the issues at hand and, you know, not have to give pressers for all-stars, for all-star skills challenge and game and not have to lend the stadium to the league. Uh, during this time where, you know, it, it, the spotlight shining on LAFC isn't going to be very positive right now. Like as they, as the nation brings its attention to, to Southern California and it's like, oh man, so how are the SoCal teams doing? I mean, the Galaxy are doing better than LAFC and LAFC is not doing great. And that's going to have to be the tenor of discussion. It's awkward and it's just, it, it, I, I feel like I, I wish the team could just put its head down and like get back to work, the work that matters. This is not that. Uh, you know, this is a dog and pony show for the league to get some notoriety and make some cash. And you know, it's, it, it comes at an unfortunate time for LAFC. I mean, at the very least, if Bella was going to have to go and Bob was going to have to coach, I wish it wasn't at the bank. <laughs> but this is where we are. <laughs> I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, the, there was a big effort online to try to get Carlos Vela to be the captain of the All-Star team, even though they've been, you know, LAFC has been suffering as much as they have, including Carlos. And today it was announced that Christian Roldan uh, is going to end up being the captain for the MLS All-Stars. He was the so one. So what you're telling me is that a Seattle Sounder is going to captain a team in Bank of California Stadium. Yeah. See, like this, like these are the sub, these are the subplots that like the team just doesn't need right now. They're not helpful. <laughs> I, I I can 
could completely concur with that. Although if he if Vela was captain, it would almost feel more weird because you're like, ugh, like he's had such a horrible season. Like what kind of tomfoolery went on to like shoehorn this man into into being the captain, you know? These are the conversations that uh, <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting couple of days for LAFC. Well, boys, when when the dust settles, you've got two real games on either side of this all-star break. You've got Vancouver and you've got the Galaxy. Uh, in the meantime, LAFC, you know, their roster changes continue. They signed uh, Julian Gaines using the number one spot in the MLS waiver order. I don't know what the hell waivers and all the MLS mechanisms of roster building are. This isn't the podcast for that. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other experts in the LAFC pod universe who know all about that kind of thing. It wasn't exactly a signing that, uh, that gave you a lot of reassurance. In the meantime, they've brought in over, you know, a defender from NYCFC. They've, they've, they've worked on trying to, you know, batten down the hatches, improve things with Eddie Segura out for the season. Uh, Christian Arango has now played in both of his first two available matches. And we haven't seen a ton from him yet. Uh, but you know, do you guys have players or things you're looking to see out of Vancouver or more specifically the Galaxy game? The next time we're going to be recording is following the Galaxy game. Um, and whether or not you feel like either of these matches can do and performing a certain way in either of these matches could allow the trajectory of the course of this season to change at all. Maybe Pierce will start with you. Well, I mean... Vancouver is the opportunity to turn it around, obviously, but um, I think the biggest thing that they need to do as far as the game is concerned is go back to playing as a unit and going back to playing with joy. You can see the, the stress and the pressure building, and it shows in the body language. It shows in their responses to the whistle being blown or not blown. And they really just need to exhale and let all that pressure out and play loose because as these as this snowball goes downhill, um, it's getting bigger and bigger. And if, if they allow that to impact the way they play and impact the way they feel, it is going to continue rolling. Um, and the only way you, you put it to a stop uh, is by changing the slope, right? And so, or, or just bursting the bubble. And, and the way you burst the bubble is by exhaling, let that let that air out, let that negativity out, move on, forget about it. You know, uh, there's a lot of coaches that I had growing up that always said, you know, you can enjoy the good plays, but the bad plays, you've got to have a short memory and move on. Move on, forget about it. You can't do anything about the stuff that's behind you. So for me, it's just playing with a little bit of, of joy, playing with uh, not as much pressure, playing, you know, playing relaxed, playing calm, and, and getting back to what they know they can do. And what they know that we know that they can do, uh, and that's score goals. They have the expected goals uh, numbers to prove it. Ryan, Who's going to score? Are they going to score? If they can't beat Vancouver, is it a guaranteed loss against the Galaxy? Give me, give us some insight. Make us feel good about ourselves somehow. You know, a seven-game winless streak going into a derby 
those games have always been tough for LAFC. Even when LAFC had the upper hand, uh, you know, game in and game out, and over the course of a season against the Galaxy, the Galaxy always found a way, you know, mostly through Zlatan, but now recently more, much more team-oriented football in the last uh, in the last couple of derbies against and are against LAFC. So they haven't been, you know, bottlenecking all of the responsibility and all of the burden to one player. The Galaxy has, you know, since LAFC's come into existence, it's like they tried the one way to stay to stay relevant and keep up with this new team and all of its ideas and intentions. And they brought in Zlatan and created a creative and fun but flawed product that, uh, you know, struggled to keep up with LAFC's high-flying goal-scoring antics and like the 2019 era. But since then, they've kind of learned from that folly and really gone about building a very strong team around uh, Chicharito. Whereas LAFC has struggled to recapture that same flair. You know, we gave them a pass during the COVID ruined season of 2020, but here in 2021, you know, whether it's injuries or whether it's just a lack of continuity, whether it's searching for that right import or, you know, making a mistake of sending the wrong person out, they, they've struggled to recapture that form and going into a derby that they've historically struggled in results wise to this point, you know, in such poor form, like I, it's a tall task to ask them to turn it around there. So I, you know, they've been playing, they've been losing must win games for a while now, but I'll color Vancouver as the same. Like, I think that it, they benefit themselves greatly if they go into that galaxy game coming off of a strong 90 minutes of football that can make them feel good about their recent exploits. Because if they don't pull out three points in that game, then, you know, what do you hang your hat on that tells you that you're going to be able to defeat your crosstown foe that's playing well right now? Uh, LAFC are not playing well right now. So even if one game doesn't, you know, create good form where it wasn't before, but it's a start and they've got to start somewhere. Uh, they're down right now. They're, they're, they're down right now pretty bad, but there's still time to turn it around. They've got the, they've got the individual assets to do it. I mean, Bella and Rossi at any time could catch fire and, you know, delete and just leave the league in awe of their exploits. But, you know, we're running out of time. We've been saying that for a while. Yeah, I do want this to bring up one more, one more thing real fast is that Vancouver is, so I think there's, what, 15 games left? So of the 15, only six of the remaining games are against teams below them in the table. That's so not good. They are going to have a tall task ahead, and they've got they've got to turn it around to get some confidence going into the derby against Vancouver if if they're going to right the ship. Because after that, they play Kansas City, Real Salt Lake, and then Austin, who, again, is one of the few teams that they're going to play in this closing end of the season that currently sit below them. The Western Conference is tight once you get to 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. But those top four or three or four are kind of really starting to separate from the rest of the group. So Vancouver is kind of your chance to to get that opportunity. But yeah, like Alex said, they're, they're going home. They're playing in that stadium. I, I assume that uh, you know, they're going to have uh, a more vibrant crowd than normal because of it. Vibrant crowds, 
vibrant podcasting. The team is doing poorly. Our podcast is more disorganized than ever, but I'm more than happy to be here with it, guys. Because you want to know what? 2019 was a great season, but this is the season we're in now, and I'm enjoying it all the same. We had a great time in Atlanta. Check out the FCFC pod for that visit. Have a great time every time I hang out with these boys. I got a great time and some insights every time I watch football. And this weekend, I'll be watching Vancouver, keeping Julio in mind and the conversations that we would have about football and that he'd have with everybody. And so, hey, in Las Buenas y Malas, as we always know, we follow this club. We're interested in how things go. And uh, we're excited to be with you guys and rock with you guys. Thank you for listening. Check out all the other uh, LAFC podcasts to just sort of get your fill and vent uh, on how the team's been doing. And just, yeah, keep keep it locked. Things can always get worse and they can always get better. So keep it real. <laughs> Next stop, Vancouver at this Saturday at 7 p.m. Deuces. Peace, y'all. Next stop is Expo Vermont Station. Please stand clear. The doors are closing.